And he said, look, the thing that drives plumbers or HVAC or anyone crazy more than anything is they do a great job, that it's a profitable job, and the customer's happy, and then their senior advisor tells them, well, I would have done it differently. He goes, there is nothing worse, and it happens all the time in the trades. You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades, the show where we share the top tricks, tips, and tactics from top service professionals worldwide. Today, I'm chatting with Rick Vaza, a former finance guy turned owner of John Padilla Plumbing in San Diego, California. Although Rick can't fix your toilet, he has a wealth of business experience. Learn how this trade novice spearheads change and success in the industry and the message he has for his fellow millennials in this week's episode of Toolbox. Enjoy. Rick Vaza, on January 1st, 2021, you bought John Padilla Plumbing, having no plumbing experience whatsoever. (laughs) And normally I start the show off with how did you get into the trades? But I think the more appropriate question for you is, why did you get into the trade? So let's start there. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, Jackie. Um, and it's, uh, I get asked this obviously a lot. And I think my family especially asked it a lot when I uh, expressed interest in a total career change uh, from finance uh, into plumbing. Um, but I, I did grow up uh, in a real estate family. So my, my dad was a real estate developer. So I was close, you know, going on job sites and stuff. So there was some like, at least uh, desire to touch real estate in a way. And then um, when I kind of learned more about the trades and what the opportunity had to offer, um, is when it really piqued my interest. So just to give some context, I was doing uh, financial planning back in 2017. I was working at a, a big bank and I'd gotten a, a rather large promotion, which, which would have been really exciting and, and was at the time really exciting, but it was also kind of eye opening to me. I was 27, 28 at the time. Um, and it was the type of promotion, like like a 55 year old would have been psyched about, like, you know, would have went home and, and been happy. It was a big deal. And I remember like at that time I had a conversation with my wife of like, okay, I've worked really hard to get good at this, but I could see the golden handcuffs starting to form. So I was like, if I'm ever going to leave uh, now is, is probably the time to do it. Cause I'm going to get a little too far into the career. And so we, I actually gave my notice shortly after that promotion, which was really hard to do. Um, but uh, I decided I was going to launch my own financial planning company and do it from scratch. So not only was it, hey, I'm leaving this big salary, but basically I'm not going to have a salary. And, uh, you know, do you mind supporting us for a while? It's my wife. So she was thrilled about that, as you can imagine. And then so fast forward to 2018, I launched the company. We moved to San Diego just as a desire to try something new. Honestly, I was doing financial planning and investment management for clients. And a byproduct of that started to be a a growing segment of my business was uh, small business consulting. And so I got especially into that at, with COVID happening. As you can imagine, there was a lot with the PPP loans, EIDL, all that. And my goal, even with the financial planning company, um, was to be more on the investment side. So whether that was venture capital, angel investing, whatever, private equity, whatever that ended up looking like. But I thought that was going to be a 10, 15 year journey. 
And I was having more of these conversations through COVID. It kind of brought, we've all heard of the silver tsunami within the uh, financial planning community. You know, there's baby boomers retiring every day. So that part wasn't as shocking to me. But I think just hearing it firsthand of like, I'm done, that like, I don't care if we get through this, I've had enough, um, was really eye opening. And then to kind of compliment that, they were saying, and I also don't know what my succession plan looks like. You know, everyone complains about millennials, you know, there's no millennials who can d- take this over. And I was like, well, I have a decent resume and track record. I think I'm pretty good at this stuff. Like, you know, maybe I could be that succession plan. So it was through some of those conversations, none of which were with John. That's not how we ended up finding each other. Uh, but what just really put, us like perked me up around hey there's an opportunity here so at that point it was very broad i'm just interested in buying a business very very broad statement and then as i learned more and just through you know a lot of the consulting stuff uh, home services very specifically became interesting to me and then within home services i was specifically plumbing hvac and electric and my general thought process was hey these are the trades that even do-it-yourselfers need to outsource and then frankly as i got even deeper into those i was like well plumbing of those trades probably has the most recurring problems right um electric i figure you kind of install it and hopefully that's going to run forever plumbing you know there's drain problems regularly happening there's fixture problems there's all types of things um, i didn't even know how bad the water quality was in san diego so we add the the awful effects of our san diego water quality and it's an even better business so that was really how it came about. I talked with the broker, just explained, you know, kind of my search criteria. Um, I had to basically uh, convince them that I was, I, I should be taken seriously for your point. Like, hey, why would I even listen to you? You don't have any background. Um, so I think fortunately, some of what I had done on the finance side, you know, just gained credibility. They, uh, they introduced me to John and his son, Johnny, who was an int- instrumental part of growing their business before I took over. And yeah, that was that was the connection. Uh, so really what started as purely, uh, I think this is a good investment opportunity, uh, has become a, a passion that I love coming in to work every day for, which, which still surprises people. But, um, you know, it's nice when I hear things like I haven't seen you this happy in a long time and total, you know, left turn in the career field. But now I've kind of tried to become an advocate to show a lot of other people how amazing the trades are and the opportunity that it can pr- present. I can tell that you get asked that question a lot because of how well you told your story. (laughs) The golden handcuffs. I really got to give you a a virtual high five. That is so hard to walk away from that kind of money. Yeah. It's so hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a hard conversation. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a supportive wife who saw me not only do that, but then tell her, Hey, this company you allowed me to launch and work so hard on building from scratch. I'm also going to be walking away from, uh, so yeah, she's, she's been every bit instrumental in the success and just, just another shout out. Cause I don't want to get too far into this without saying it, but I think it's really cool that I get to do stuff like this and be on podcasts. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity, but, um, I know my, my guys and the team are going to be listening to this. So I just want to give them a shout out because the only reason I get to do this is because we have 20 people back you know, at John Padilla Plumbing, absolutely dominating every day and working really hard to be the best plumbing company there is. So for you guys listening, don't want to get too far before I, I give you kudos. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the team because I really want to know what that team thought when you came on board having no plumbing experience whatsoever, but we're not there yet. <laughs> I also I want to talk about how you identified John Padilla Plumbing as a good company to purchase. And the reason I want to talk about that is We've had so many conversations on this podcast about private equity entering the space and what it looks like to develop succession plans. So I've either had a tradesperson talking about their interaction with private equity, folks from PE talking about how they're getting into service. I have not had someone who went from the finance side and is now on the owner operator side 
of service. So you're, uh, you're very unique to the show, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Given your background, how did you identify John Padilla Plumbing as this is the company I want to purchase? Well, the truth is that I had looked at a couple of companies just through that broker process and John Padilla stood out um, when it came to me, the financials were, were clean and, and good. And when I talked with John and Johnny, it's funny because like a lot of it was was a bit of a leap of faith in hindsight, which I, I, I kind of laugh because I don't know that I would have done the exact same steps and they laugh because they say the same thing. But I think we just came to a, a trusting of each other through some of the meetings. So, you know, they, they had really good answers to my questions. It's funny because, you know, I think in any CIM, you see the broker always lists like these clear paths to growth, right? And it's like, okay, well, why haven't you done them then? So what was really awesome, I think talking with John and Johnny, they, they, they knew the path towards growth. And I have a great relationship with both of them still. And we talk about it and they love hearing, you know, what's going on with the business. Um, but they knew some of the things that happened uh, or needed to happen. And uh, to just their clear transparency, like they were, it's 10 years of building a business from scratch. I mean, they, they were exhausted. Um, and I think um, being younger, having you know a different kind of energy level to go there was one of the things that we bonded over. So the ideas that I um, was able to grasp from them, and then uh, frankly, just diving into podcasts like Service Site and learning about industry best practices. Um, one thing I will give myself credit for is when I get into something, I get obsessively into it. So. I mean, within months, I had listened to, I don't know how many of your podcasts, like I, I done a, a lot of industry research, all these things. Um, no, seriously, though. Yeah. Uh, and I have a bunch of people to shout <laughs> out you. who literally just stole best practices. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think, coming in with a fresh perspective is like, why aren't we doing it that way? And in a lot of cases, they had an answer of like, hey, we, we want to get that way. And, you know, there's been various obstacles that have prevented us to do so. So to answer the question, it was, a, a, frankly, a lot of it was, was, a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, we had just really good connection through our initial meetings. You know, I can understand the financials. I understood the cash flow, what some of the challenges with cash flow were because they did a lot of property management work, which has net 30 terms. We worked through that. I understood, you know, it was just the, the, the financial stuff made sense. And then it was just from a, from a leap of faith, like I didn't meet the team. You just had to trust like, hey, that team was good enough to present these financials. And I have a lot of confidence that John and Johnny are great people and they would in turn have a great culture. Now, would I do that again in hindsight? Maybe not. It did work out. So we count ourselves lucky, but that's the gist of it. I appreciate that you highlighted the connection from John and Johnny. That's what I hear a lot about when it comes to doing these types of transactions is really the relationship between the buyer and, and the seller. That is That plays a huge part in it. you know. So I'm glad to hear that that connection was fostered early on and definitely maintained as you took on leadership, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But I'm also super curious. We were, you were really open with me when we first connected from a financial perspective, how did you make this happen? Right? Because we talk a lot about acquisition, but we don't actually talk about what it actually takes from the money side to purchase a business. So would you mind expanding a bit on that? talk about more of the leap of faith um, as I took one, they took one on me truthfully. So, um, you know, a good, a good part of our transaction is seller finance. And then the, the remainder, we, you know, I think the most analogous to it's like a, a down payment on a house, right? So I put a down payment down and then uh, they sell, were able to sell our finance the remainder. So that's a big risk for them, right? They, they're taking, they're saying, Hey, we're counting on this guy who has no plumbing experience to come in and be able to make us regular payments. Um, so as much as I took that leap, it was, it was mutual. And I think that was a big part of where, where John and I aligned because, you know, his, his statement to me, and I think this is why it's been such a good partnership was like, I'm not ready to fully retire. And I'm like, well, great. Cause I need you. Cause I don't know pretty much anything. So he, 
you know, he then had a vested interest in my success, right? Because obviously in order for those payments to go through, and I think even beyond that, I mean, you know, his name's on the, the door. He wants to see uh, his company thrive. But I think that the way that we financially structured it also made it a win-win for both of us where there was a vested interest in, in each other. So that was a big part of it. But, you know, the traditional route, the SBA 7A loan, which is what a lot of buyers will look at in order to make that first purchase was off the table because I didn't have um, a plumbing license. So that was not a viable financing option. And initially that was a challenge from our first conversations. And frankly, we had to get creative kind of in, through the negotiation process. Um, and a lot of it was just building that rapport of like, Hey, I'm interested, but this, if we're going to do this, this is, it's going to be unconventional and this is how we have to make it work. Um, and, and thankfully we, we were able to do so. I love that. And I love that John also had a vested interest in the success of the company. Before we go into some of the changes that you made when you first came on board, what kind of role does John play at the business now? And it sounds like in what you've already spoken about, he was really able to kind of let go of some things that he wasn't super passionate about when it came to the business. Am I right in that assumption? Yeah. I I mean, I can't say enough about John, honestly, from like day one, it it was crazy because I don't you know, you go from the founder, operator, owner, everyone's coming to you for final decision. Um, and early days, people would still go to him. And, I, you know, I have such appreciation for the way he handled it because he just goes, I'm not the one to ask, go see Rick. And I mean, that that was probably, you know, I would imagine a, a, a weird change for him. Um, and, and he did that from the beginning. So, I mean, he ha- has handled like every change of his role just with such grace. And, uh, and he's a huge asset to the team still. Um, and I, I'm very lucky because I've talked to a lot of people who have gone through this process. And they're like, what you have with John and your relationship is not normal. So I, I'm aware of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think essentially the way his role has evolved um, is, is we just try to be honest with each other. And I said, you know, what, what do you want to do? Like, what, what's going to get you excited to come in here every day? And also, how do we make sure that he, he's contributing and, and not just coming in to just to check a box, right? And so what we really unpacked was the apprenticeship was where his passion lies. He loves training, loves helping with the complexities of plumbing and the trade. Um, I mean, he's just got a wealth of knowledge. So that was a, a kind of a no brainer. And we didn't have really any processes in place for our training program. So actually, shout out to a Service Titan podcast. I spoke with Great Dane HVAC, and he was willing mm-hmm. to share his program with us. So we, we molded his program to, to ours. And now, I mean, this program is awesome. Our apprentices are amazing. They're crushing it. They're getting promotions. They're going to be van ready in the not too distant future. Um, it's just amazing to see people who have no experience and they're meeting with John. They're excited to come in. John's passionate about seeing them progress. Uh, the, the technicians are excited to ride with anyone. They're not fighting over, you know, that one great apprentice that is so often the case. So, yeah, John is just it's, it's been an awesome fit for what he loves to do. And you can you can see it when with his passion for it. So it's really cool. And I want to give John a shout out for just being able to one th- day one from you taking ownership, being able to step back and be really clear with the secession plan of uh, the company, because I'm sure that's something that many people who are listening right now have either seen, experienced, or been a part of, right? Especially, I would imagine, in family businesses too. Like if dad is handing it off to the sons, then, you know, people who've been there forever still keep going to dad and whatnot. So I really commend him for being able to say, no, you got to go to Rick. And that also probably gave you a bit of a boost to just not, I I hate to keep harping on, you didn't know what you were doing, Rick, but, (laughs) but just giving you a little boost of like, all right, 
you did know some stuff. You did know a lot of stuff, actually. You had a wealth of knowledge uh, in finance, in investments. You had this really incredible portfolio. And so often on this podcast, I talk to technicians turned owners and they know the craft really well, but they struggle in the business stuff. Whereas you, you're like, I kind of know businesses. I know statements. I know KPIs. I got this. So what were some of the immediate changes you made once taking ownership? Yeah. So I think two, two that stood out to me, um, and again, this may have been an advantage of not being in the industry. So um, we, were, we were doing a lot of time and material work when I had taken over and uh, frankly, it confused me. I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. I, I said, "Why are we punishing our best and most experienced plumbers for finishing a job faster uh, with a lower rate of pay, and rewarding our slowest and most novice plumbers for taking long?" So, right, like that, that just didn't make sense. So, moving the flat rate was was kind of the, the easiest um, for me. Just it, it made practical sense of like hey, we should sit down and figure out what's the expected time of these types of jobs that are repeatable. You know, we're running into them all the time. So we were able to you know, sit with John and, and our, some of our senior techs, like, hey, help me understand, like, how long should this take, right? Like, you know, obviously there's going to be some variation here, but on average. And so that's when we really built out our price book and went more toward a flat rate system. Customers like it better. Like, they want to know what the job's going to cost up front. They don't want to be sitting there watching their clock, you know, micromanaging the, the job. Um, they want to know, hey, this is what it's going to cost, you know, whether I'm here 10 minutes or an hour and a half, whatever. Um, so that was that one was a, a big one for us, I believe. And then uh, honestly, uh, not this was not pre, pre-planned, but using ServiceSite more. So I think initially when I met with John and Johnny, a lot of what they had told me was it was at the time being more used as, a, as just a dispatching software. So I think uncovering more of the functionality. So, you know, we were talking about the, the ability to now do follow-ups. So we've had members of our team who are specifically calling to follow up. And yeah, it's going to increase sales, but it's also going to increase the customer experience. Hey, we sent you this proposal. Did you have any questions with it? Anything you'd like to review with us? Um, that's a much better customer experience than, hey, hey, thanks. Here, get, get an email and you know, don't talk to us until you want to pay us, right? Like that's, those are two different experiences. So um, those go hand in hand with kind of just the um, advocacy for the customer. Like in both, both of those things, while they're benefits to the business, in my mind, they were also immediate benefits to the customer, which is obviously how businesses succeed. So I think those were the, the two probably more obvious ones. And then, you know, there's been some kind of follow on things that we've done since then. I love that. That's awesome. And no, I did not pay him to say that. Um, I did not pay him to do that shout out, but I do appreciate it. So let's talk about the team taking the news of you coming on board. You already alluded that they didn't meet you. <laughs> until after you 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 came on as owner. So what was that experience like? What was it like coming into a room full of plumbers and being like, hi, I'm Rick, I'm your new boss? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess one thing I had an advantage of with financial planning is it's this is a, a shock and awe that I've run into a few times. So I'm 33. That looks like 22, I'm often told. So I tend to have a shockingly young, like, I thought you were so young thing. And I used to get that all the time with my financial planning client. So you just get used to it. You get thick skin. You understand how to handle the room when that happens. So it was funny, you know, as I've heard so many of these transitions are, it was, it was a little awkward of just, you know, John's there, I'm there. You know, they think I'm like a, a new financial person. And then John's like, no, no, like he's the new owner. And a lot of people are like, what? Like, who is this person? If people have a great way of doing it, I'd love to know. I just think it is what it is and you do your best. Um, but I do remember, you know, one of my buddies, I, I had talked with him about it before because he had recently bought a company and he said, look, you, the thing you want to remember is this is a big deal for the team. It shouldn't be a big deal for you. So don't make this all about you. Reinforce the team. 
uh, and, and be truthful, you know, don't, don't say things that you can't live, you know, uh, live up to and, and follow through on, but make sure they know like, Hey, you know, I bought this company for a reason. It's because it's a great company. Your jobs are secure. I'm not coming in here because it's a crappy company and we need to make a bunch of changes. Quite the opposite. I bought it because it's great. And, you know, there may be some tweaks that we can do to make it even better. And I meant that. And so that was a big part of the messaging. Um, just trying to sit down with people. Um, the, the hardest thing, frankly, uh, it was this, you know, in the immediate, you have kind of two competing priorities. One is you just want to, all you want to do is get in front of the team and, and talk to them and get in the van and do ride alongs and, you know, hang out with everyone and learn as much as you can. But on the other side, you're transferring your entity over and you need all new vendor agreements with all of your suppliers and you're just swimming in paperwork. So, I mean, I remember it was just, uh, it was hard with, for my wife. I mean, we were prepared, but I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I mean, you're just long hours. I mean, I think like the first three months, I felt like I was in the office, you know, 15 hours. Like it was just a lot. It was a lot of work. So, you know, we get that through that and you can kind of do some, some normalcy. I hope that gained some of the appreciation from the team where they saw how hard um, I, I was going to work to make sure that, that we were in the right spot. And I, I think just truthful and transparent communication was, was a big part of kind of my plan going into that. Thank you for clarifying that, you know, it's a big deal for them. Whenever a new leader comes in, immediately everyone's going to think, oh, great. Like now I have to prove myself to this leader or they immediately start getting nervous thinking that their job may be at risk. So I love that that was something that you prioritized. Also, I think this is now the third time you shout out your wife. So I must ask, what is her name? <laughs> yeah, wait, dude. Yeah. Whitney, Whitney's the real MVP of she this is. story. And the other thing I wanted to mention is when we first spoke, you mentioned how one great thing about you not having this plumbing experience is here you are as this new owner, you are never going to micromanage your techs. Yeah. yeah. That is never something they have to worry about. You know, it, it's so funny you mention that because uh, I've been very fortunate to network pretty broadly through the industry at this point. And um, I connected with one of the owners of, of the, I believe one of the largest companies up in the Seattle area. He was, he was really awesome kind of going into this process of helping me too. I, I didn't mention him, but um, when I was looking at the business to begin with, he gave me some pointers and um, he came from a totally irrelevant background as well. And he had mentioned that actually as one of the things that I, cause I was so nervous about it. Like, are they going to respect me or take me seriously when I don't know how to even turn a wrench? And he said, look, the thing that drives plumbers or HVAC or anyone crazy more than anything is they do a great job, that it's a profitable job, and the customer's happy. And then their senior advisor tells them, well, I would have done it differently. He goes, there is nothing worse, and it happens all the time in the trades. So he goes, believe me, I think they're going to be pretty happy that you're not going to annoy the you know, crap out of them with that type of stuff. And it's funny, you know, I think as I've gotten to know some of the guys more, they've, they've expressed like, you know, we don't need you to be putting in a water heater. We need you to make sure that the business is prof profitable, marketing successfully and, and growing. So it was funny because, yeah, the banks going back to that SBA thing, you know, they're like, oh, well, you don't have any plumbing background. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm again, I'm not the one putting in the water here. I don't, I, so I don't know. It's, it's, it was an interesting thing. But I think the team, you know, whether they told me or not, they didn't seem to have as much of a problem as I thought. <laughs> I hope that this podcast opens up a wealth of vulnerability and conversation about real first impressions, but that I'm sure will make the team even closer. But um, since joining, you've actually grown. Uh, since we last spoke, you grew from five to 10 plumbers, which is an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. Uh, how did you do it? A lot of people are looking to do that right now. One of the big things for us, we, we kind of shrunk and then grew. So um, what I mean by that is we yeah. had a, a small HVAC division which I think has been started maybe five years, four or five years before I had taken over. 
and which is really hard to do. I mean, as a startup, as most startups, was I believe losing money for for a lot of time, and just took a lot of resources to to lift. And I was actually excited because we they had kind of hit a turning point um, in 2020, I believe, was kind of where they broke even. So, oh, perfect! Like I'm coming in, and HVAC's going to now be a, a tailwind, not a headwind. But what happened, um, and it's funny because he's like one of our, our best plumbers now, but we he was actually working as an HVAC tech and I think had kind of dabbled in HVAC just out of curiosity a few years prior and then got kind of in that HVAC setting. It was a small team, sorry for context. There were uh, two full-time HVAC techs, one who was kind of running both plumbing and HVAC and then one installer, and then a GM who was a great guy, but he carried a, a pretty heavy salary. So there was a lot of overhead associated with, with that with that line of business for how small it was. And when the HVAC uh, tech came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm a better plumber. I want to go be on the plumbing side because I know I could make more money. Very quickly, you're like, well, I don't have a division here, right? So there, that basically was going to require us to continue funneling resources out of plumbing to keep HVAC on life support. So it, it was like a boom, boom thing. I mean, we literally went from the day before I was talking to the GM about our plans to grow and the future and all this to literally the next day. Um, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but we're shutting this division down. So it was, it was like that fast. And it was easily the most terrifying thing I've done in my short career. And, you know, just I remember shaking, telling the team and like just freaking out because like going back to what I just said, I had told the team I didn't have these grand plans for change. Right. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a liar. Like they're going to think I'm lose total credibility. The the best thing, going back to the relationship with John, I, I broached it with him beforehand and uh, he, he fully supported me. He, he's like, I, you know, I back you 100%. And then after I made the announcement with the team, a couple of guys actually pulled me aside and were like, thank you. Like, you know, we, we've known that that hasn't been successful. And now the fact that you're saying you're going to be able to reinvest back into plumbing is, is going to be awesome. So um, I think one thing is is saying you're going to reinvest, but then you know as the as we became more profitable because we didn't have to divert profits to HVAC, being able to reinvest. So I, you know I think pretty quickly after that we got drain machines for everyone. We invested in mini jetters. Uh, we've gotten a su- another sewer camera since uh, I got all new vans for the team the end of last year. So we're finally those are just, like we ordered them in June of last year. They're just finally all coming through because of the delays. But like just you know I think then being able to say okay this is why we did this and now this is what's going to allow us to do it. Um, was a big piece of it. So it was like a step backwards to go forwards or two steps forwards type of thing. So that was a big part of it. And then I think we've we've really emphasized, and this is just a credit to how awesome our team is. So customer reviews, which Service Titan has, has helped us with through their marketing pro efforts. But we've we went from we were 60 reviews and a 4.0 on Google when I took over. And that's not to say like that, that it just wasn't a focus. So when I when I realized like, hey, how are customers finding us? They're plumber San Diego, right? They're going to Google. So that was a huge part of like every day. Just guys, this is what we got to focus on. This is what we got to focus on. And it seemed like such a large lift at the time. But then when everyone started really being like, oh, this is this is not just important because we obviously want to deliver on the experience, but it's also going to help us win more business. And so, you know, you go from a 4.0 to a 4.1 to a 4.2, 4.3, and then you just keep trickling up. I mean, now we're, I think we're like 305 and a 4.7. And, you know, you're, the call volume has gone up with that, right? Because people are, uh, we, uh, and this is funny, but we had a guy literally call in recently and he's just like, oh yeah, I saw your reviews. You guys look awesome. Just send someone out. Like didn't ask about price. Like obviously we're still going to tell them price and make sure we're, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. But like it, it, that social proof is important. And I think 
if we focus on how do we make this the best employee experience, that's really what I focus on. I know that they're going to deliver on the best customer experience. So it's kind of a trickle effect. So what we really try to think about from an office standpoint is literally how do we make this the best place to possibly work in San Diego? Now, are we there yet? No, there's a lot more stuff that we need to do and we're going to focus on. But if the guys know, hey, their office is coming in to try to execute on that game plan and all they want me to do is go give great service to our customers, how do you stop that, right? That's inevitable growth that will happen. And like I was saying to you, the the only thing we need more is more calls so that we can bring more people onto the team um, because we have an awesome team and the, the guys support each other. They take care of customers and the reviews show it. I mean, people aren't just hitting the five star. They're writing little paragraphs on how, and it's it's a plumbing problem, right? Like they, they weren't happy to pay that money, but the experience was so good that they're going on and leaving these awesome reviews for our, our team, which is just amazing. That's so great. And thank you for being so vulnerable about what it felt like to close that division and immediately have to kind of not go back on what you said. You know, I think, Word word means something like what you say, especially coming in as the owner in this new business and saying, don't worry, nothing's going to change. And then having to make that change because circumstances change, like people change their minds, people leave, they want to do different things. And sometimes you have to adjust. So I really appreciated how vulnerable you were with that. And I'm happy to hear that it was for a net positive in the end, which is just awesome. So you already mentioned that you have some folks that want to want to work for you. You just need to increase your volume, which I think is an excellent problem to have. What else do you have your mindset on in the future? Like, what are your next steps for John Padilla Plumbing? Uh, I definitely didn't come up with this, so I don't want to take credit for it. And I, I don't know who told me it, so I don't even know where to attribute credit. But like, I, I heard a good analogy with the business is like thinking of it as a boat, right? And there's kind of two things that you're trying to do. You're trying to plug as many holes in the boat to reduce any leakage and trying to figure out how do we make the boat go faster. So when I think of that, there's obviously so many different things you can do to do it. So what we're trying to do is a few key initiatives a year to kind of push things forward. So last year, the big one was some of the things we talked about, integrating with Service Titan more, rolling out the apprentice program. Those were huge tailwinds for the business. The apprentice program is going to be amazing because we now know we'll have a pipeline of talent. So as we continue to grow, they're going to step right into those spots, which is awesome. So now we're thinking about, okay, like our, our call volume. So one of the things is how do we increase our conversion rate? How do we make sure we're not missing as many calls? So we're kind of focusing in on the call, um, like CSR dispatching type of uh, processes right now. Um, and a, a byproduct of that, I think we're in a position to do more with marketing. So right now we've really only done the Google stuff. And that's been, I think, call it the low-hanging fruit. Well, now we, we want to get a little more... Um, aggressive, I guess you could say, with like just getting our name out there. So we redesigned our, our vans. Um, we've gotten some new shirts, which are really cool. So we're kind of doing a, a much more um, like, hey, if you see us on the highway, we're not just a white van with the black letters that every plumbing company is, right? You're going to see us and like recognize us. So that that was a part of it. So I think the marketing piece and then obviously catching that is a, is a priority. Um, and then we think about, okay, so that's, those are kind of plugging some holes, right? You're, you're, you're getting the people and then you're making sure that, you know, but as far as making goes faster, so those are additional like service lines. So we don't right now do lining. We don't do leak detection. We don't do pipe bursting or trenchless, like things like that. Now we work with some people who do, and it's great, but you know, we, we could capture more of that business. And I think that's a, a direction that a lot of customers are wanting more to see that option. So that would definitely be something that we would want to look to grow into, whether that's doing it ourselves or acquiring potentially another company who already maybe has that service line that's a good fit with our culture um, and could connect. So 
I am always talking to people, whether that's potential employees, potential acquisition targets. Um, I tell the team, they they maybe sometimes think I'm not working because I'm not in the office as much. But what I say is if I'm in the office, it's probably uh, not the most efficient use of us growing, right? I I should be probably doing more of the marketing, the sales and and making those connections. So I'm spending a lot more time doing that now uh, because we do have such an office, uh, awesome office. Um, so those are like kind of the two things we, we're kind of always thinking about, okay, what, what can push us a little faster and then what can we do to make sure we're capturing as much of that as we can and delivering a good customer experience. And I didn't know you before you were the owner of John Padilla Plumbing, but the way that you speak about the work that you've done, that you're doing, that you're going to do, you're very happy. I can tell, which <laughs> is such a rare thing to have in your career. So just as a person to person, I'm very happy that you found that. That Thank is you. incredibly awesome. It helps to have two two new young girls too. Who are, we have two baby girls who've been all part of this journey. So I've done all this with having two girls join the team, uh, and they're awesome. So it's it's just a good it's a good time of life, and there's a lot to be grateful for. So, oh, I love that. How old are your kids? Uh, two in a month. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow, Whitney really is the MVP. Yeah. Um, so. This all being said, you know, so often I already mentioned this, I speak to technicians turned owners and you come into the service industry with this whole different wealth of knowledge that you've been able to leverage. Not to say anything negative about techs turned owners, because I think they're incredible. I've spoken to many of them. But what do you think are some blind spots that they may have as it pertains to service as a business and a profitable growth business? Like, what would your advice be, especially now that you've been networking a lot and you've talked to many different people that came up that way? I, I do think a grasp of the numbers is so important. And that's where there is a lot of blind spots. And I think I think too many that I talk to kind of outsource that and rely on their accountant or bookkeeper. And that is just not a function that can be outsourced. So shout out to, I think you had him on the podcast too, but he's become a friend. But John Wilson, who uh, owns a, a big company, Wilson Companies out in Ohio. So I talked to him on him. He's a, a tech turned owner, but he highlighted he went and got his accounting degree, right? And so I, that finance piece is, I, I just don't know how you could possibly operate without it. And that's, I think, what's been a catalyst for his success. Literally, because like we can do a job and I just, and you know, it's not just me now, and our team knows how to do this as well, but we know down to the, the profitability like per job. So it's, there are no surprises. And I think that makes it very easy for us to say no to to certain things and know our boundaries and where we, you know, we, we're not going to take a job just to do it. Um, We we need to make sure we are clear with customers and explain to them why we can't do that. Like, it's not like we're trying. And I think the other helpful thing is we're, we know we're not gouging people and we we can stand behind our pricing because one thing, whether it was financial planning or plumbing, uh, you could, you could charge $10,000 and someone's going to, love you and leave a five-star review and you can charge five dollars they're going to hate you and say you overcharge them and you're a scam right so pricing is not the problem i don't think in any service field it's did you provide the appropriate value for that perceived price and you know when we're doing things like sending a text message with the customer with the plumber's picture and the customer gets that like oh my god i know exactly who's going to be here there's no surprise you're getting you know follow-up you know requests all these things that we're doing to you know, make that a better customer service experience. I think that at, you know, that perceived price point is, is there, right? Where so many people I think get hung up on, oh my God, I can't charge that. And I'm like, well, do you know what your overhead is? Do you know, you know how much this is all costing? I mean, we're seeing 10% month over month price increases. So many, like if you're outsourcing that to your bookkeeper, there's no way you're keeping up with that. 
And so, yeah, it's hard and it's hard to message that to customers of like, hey, we got to raise prices again. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to operate profitably because perfect example, we just had and mistakes are going to happen, right? We had a, a situation where we accidentally flooded the unit. It's the wor- basically the worst thing that can happen in plumbing, right? Um, but it happens. And so that's, you know, $5,000 deductible out the window. Like you need to be profitable in order to stomach those things. You don't budget for that necessarily. And then, you know, sometimes with the trades, they're going to be slow seasons. There's, you know, a period where this, this industry is so weird. You can go a week where you're like, oh, my God, how are we going to fit all these calls on the board to a week where, oh, my God, why aren't the phones ringing? And I think a lot of times that's where you see technicians leave because they get unhappy because they're not treated well. Whereas, you know, when we have those periods, yeah, we're going to say, hey, guys, go clean your vans out. Go wash your vans. Uh, hey, let's go in, in-house for a training. Let's do a team lunch. You know, let's do something to build the culture and up and you're going to get paid for it. Right. Because we've we've had those funds in reserve for profit. And, you know, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, the owner is just taking all that. Like, I don't I don't get paid. that. <laughs> like it stays with the company. We're reinvesting in the company. We want that. Um, so I think like the the sticker shock around, oh, my God, I can't charge that is a fallacy because you can charge it. All of your competitors are charging it. Most of them are ch- charging a lot more than we are. And we know that. Um, but we also don't really pay attention, honestly, to what our competitors are pricing. We know what we need to price in order to be profitable at a reasonable profit margin. And we're, that's what we're, the way we're going to operate. And thankfully, I think having that finance background, when we do get pushback on it, it, I can answer it truthfully, transparently, and I have no issues. And also, I think not being a plumber, I have so much respect and appreciation for the work that they do that I will back them up all day long because I'm like, well, if you want to spend a day doing what they're doing, they deserve every penny of it. So, um, yeah, I think I think all of those things. Um, but it, it does start with the finance. I just it's not a role that can be outsourced. And it, that just is what it is, I think. I think that's a beautiful answer. And I also got hints from that answer that it sounds like a lot of your team has been trained to and what makes a job profitable. So this way they're able to all identify that quickly. Was I right with that? Yeah. And I, I think a cool thing, and it just goes to show how supportive the team has been of me and, and my you know infancy with the company. But like we, we did lose a, a large customer last year. We, we do some property management work and we've developed some amazing relationships with some and, and, and we've lost some. And that's just the way business works, right? Um, but they were just beating us up on price, on price, on price. And um, so I, I it was nervous. I mean, they were like 10% of revenue maybe for 2020. So it, was, it wasn't a, a significant amount. And I remember coming to the team and I said, guys, like just, this is the situation, okay? We're, we're not making any money with them. Um, they're trying to beat us up even more on pricing. Do you want the volume to stay busy or are you comfortable if we cut it and figure it out? And 100% response, cut it and figure it out. We support it. And so like, that was cool. Cause like, I think for most owners and I've definitely had this fear, it's like, oh my God, if we get slow, like everyone's going to leave. And we have such great leadership. I remember like some of the times last year and, you know, I still get stressed out, obviously it just happens. But last year there were a lot more of those times than, than this year. And I remember like, I'd get, oh my God, but like, we're not busy. Like everyone's going to mutiny, like and leave or whatever. And like the senior guys would be like, Rick, like this is the industry. We're, we all know this happens. Like we're not going anywhere. Don't worry. Like it's, you're, you're good. Like we're good. And um, I think just having like that reassurance too um, is, is, was huge. So, you know, it's uh, it goes both ways. Like I, I try to be transparent with what our plans are. And then I think that's gotten reciprocated from them. And, you know, and some of them, I love it because they'll let me know when I am being an idiot and why, when my ideas are wrong. So it's, it goes both ways. <laughs> is there anything we should have talked about that we didn't? 
I think just, um, you know, maybe just the, the point to drive home because coming from, you know, a nice, cushy, white collar job, a lot of people thought I was like crazy doing this. And I just, I think the trades offer such a, a amazing opportunity. Like it's, it's a, like a, just a quick example. You know, we have, we have a 19 year old on our team, right? He graduated high school. Uh, everything that happened with COVID, right? A lot of his friends, he told me, are just kind of in an abyss. They don't know what their future is. They're lost. They, they, you know, a lot of them are just being pushed into college just because it's the thing to do. They're going to take on a bunch of debt, even though they have no idea what they want to be doing. He's going to be in a van fairly, he's advancing very quickly and he's doing an amazing job and he's got just a tremendous attitude. I mean, you think of the the career path now that he's going to have, right? That's is just amazing. It's I think so many people you know, kind of have a condescending approach to the trade. Oh, you're just a plumber. And like I've been in the the, the leadership groups and the things around the city, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm with a plumber. And you know, people kind of initially scoff at it, and then you're like, well, my plumber has no, they have no debt, they're making great money, they're able to provide for their family, like things like that. So I think just the big thing. As you can probably tell, I've become a, a big advocate for the opportunity they can have. And it's cool. You know, I hope the guys will want to stay with us forever and never go anywhere. But, you know, it's also cool because they're, they're basically running their own business. And that's kind of what I've told them. Like, think about it. Like, your, your van is your own business, right? You're out servicing customers. You're generating business. And hopefully you, like, you know, if, hopefully you want to stay with us because we do all the admin stuff you'll probably hate doing, frankly. Um, so that's kind of the relationship that I want to develop with everyone is like, I want you to feel like you have all the training and know-how that if you wanted to, you could go run a successful business, but you're choosing not to because you're getting so much support from us. And so I think that it, the trades offer so many cool things because you can have that mentality, that entrepreneurship approach. You are tangibly doing work with your hands that you can actually take pride in and see your finished product. You're compensated very well, you know, especially in today, amongst today's different options. So I just, you know, uh, you can probably tell, but I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. I'm trying to get more people to, uh, to take it. And, you know, I think that that'll be a big uh, part of our growth plan, getting more people involved. I love that. I'm a big advocate too. So that's why we get along. Uh, final question that I've been asking for my most recent episodes is if you had to pick a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? <laughs> yeah. So I, I like this question. Um, and it's, this probably fits in because I've referenced her a few times, but there's a song by Eric Church called Hell of a View. Um, so if, if people haven't heard it, you can listen to that. I probably describes my wife's uh, life with me pretty well, where it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. I, I don't know the exact lyrics, but it's like hanging on the edge, you holding me, holding you. So she's she's definitely supported all of, you know, my initiatives in, a, in just a way that's like amazing. Uh, I've been so lucky to have her support. So couldn't do, have done any of this without her and my hope is at some point i can bring her in because she's she's smarter than me so if, if i can get her we'll you'll really see us explode uh at a certain point but right now she's enjoying uh motherhood so we'll see. i love that well thank you so much rick it was great talking with you and i'm so excited that you were able to join me on toolbox for the trades yeah thank you so much I, it's a pleasure and i'm really grateful for everything i've learned from the podcast so hopefully there's some nuggets that people can pull out of this one Thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would love it if you left a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps the show grow and get discovered by more listeners like you. 
Also, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook.